you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, let's thank him for his shed blood today. The scripture says to everything there is a season and a time, and there is an end to everything. There's an end to suffering. There is an end to pain. There was an end to the crucifixion, and it was the resurrection. I'm thankful today to know the Lord and to know him in the power of his resurrection. Because being filled with his spirit would not be possible had he not have fulfilled the promise of resurrecting on the third day. And he was in a borrowed tomb because he only needed it for three days. Regardless what you're dealing with, what you're facing, what you came in struggling with today, I want to tell you there's an end to it. There is hope on the other side. Amen. God bless you. Be seated just for a moment. I may have you stand again here in just a moment, but... Um, I just want to make a couple of statements to you. First off, there is an incredible crowd here this morning. Thank you for being here. So many guests and friends with us and family members. Thank you for being here on this Easter Sunday morning. And let me say that if you're interested in knowing more about the church or interested in getting involved, we have a change group uh, that for you to be involved in. We have small groups for you to be involved in. There is something for everybody. There is a place for you at CLC. Can ask any uh, body around, and they can point you in the right direction. Uh, any of our staff, or those that you saw up front this morning, will be more than happy to point you in the right direction. Or you can get uh, visit us online and be able to get any of the information if you're interested in knowing more about the church or taking a next step in your walk with God. Uh, we invite you to be part of one of our Bible study groups for uh, new believers, or maybe. For growing believers, there there are uh, Bible study groups available to you. Um, there is a bilingual Bible study that happens here every Thursday night, and uh, that's a very exciting time, and we love to see that growing ministry that is happen, happening here. And then on Monday and sometimes Tuesday nights, uh, we have a change group for those that are overcoming. So there's something for everybody and a place for everybody. Don't you love to see God growing the church? How about your family? I love to see growth in families, and um, I don't know a better time to break this to you other than I wish they could be here to tell you themselves, but our family, my wife and I, our family, it's growing. And So come October, a new seat at the table. So we're very excited for Jen and Destiny. And if Dylan and Kayla don't hurry and get started, I mean, they, I think nine is in the forecast. She, she, she and Dylan both deny that. Kayla and Dylan deny that, but her dad and I decided that before they were. So it's predestined. 
this church. I'm thankful for you, and I'm glad you're here this morning. I know you were just seated, but I'm going to have you stand with me for the reading of the Word of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read 10 verses from Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number 1. Matthew 28, verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Verse 7, watch now, because I'm going to really draw from these last four verses. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Verse 8, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren that they go into Galilee shall they see me. The first two words, the first two messages after Jesus resurrected from the grave came from an angel and then from Jesus himself. And both messages were quite simple and very sim similar in that they both said, go and tell somebody that Jesus is risen. That message was important enough that he didn't just send an angel to, to tell Mary and Mary, but he himself met them as they ran to tell the disciples. And Jesus says, go and tell them. Go and tell my brethren. The only reason that I can think of this morning that the Lord would have wanted to speak the first two messages after the resurrection to the world, to speak of his resurrection because the resurrection would be the most difficult thing to actually believe, someone being raised from the dead. It would be very difficult to believe. Why would he do such a thing if he was not sending a message to all of the world that nothing is impossible with him? My message to you this morning, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's set our Bibles down and lift our hands and ask Him to speak into our hearts this morning. God, we open our hearts to You with lifted hands. And we come this morning and invite Your presence, Your power, and Your Word to minister to us, to speak to us, and to breathe life into us today. Help us, O oh Lord, to see ourselves where we are and to recognize that nothing is impossible with You. And we thank You and honor You in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. Their job was to go quickly 
and to tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And the Bible said they ran. There was an urgency to the message. There was a purpose that was too important for it to lag, for it to wait, for it to be done the next day or tomorrow. And then as they go, Jesus appears unto them and tells them, go tell my brethren. It appears that there's one thing that heaven wanted to prove by the resurrection. And that was to send a message to those of weak faith. He seen that there was one message that he wanted them to hear. And this is the message I want you to get this morning. Perhaps this message is not going to be theologically deep or revelatory today. Maybe it's going to be very simple and plain. But it is the message that I feel that every one of us need to receive today. And that is that nothing is too hard for the Lord. In Genesis chapter 18, the Lord told Abraham that he had not forgotten his promise to him. And that he was going to give him a child in his old age. When Sarah laughed at the question, when the question was asked, Sarah laughed and then the Lord the Lord responds by saying is there anything too hard for the Lord in Jeremiah 32 the people of God were going into battle against insurmountable odds and God spoke to Jeremiah and he said I am the Lord is there anything too hard for me over and again in the scripture, there is the same question asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? It is a question regarding our faith. It is a question for us to ponder, to know that we are in good hands and that nothing is impossible with him. In the gospels, a man named Lazarus had died. There's so much doubt surrounding these, these, this scripture setting. Doubt because he had been dead for three days. Not just dead, but dead for three days. And the body was beginning to decay. And even when he told them to roll away the stone, there, there was so much doubt that they, they didn't want to roll it away for the time was so far spent. Doubt in Mary and Martha's mind, they... They believed that Lazarus could be resurrected in, in the last day, in the resurrection of the dead. But they had no faith that Jesus would be able to resurrect their dead brother on that day. They, they didn't have faith to believe it could happen right then. And when he told them to roll away the stone, it, had they have believed that he was going to resurrect Lazarus, they would have been rushing to roll the stone away, but they didn't know that he was going to roll the stone away and call Lazarus to come forth. Doubt because the timing was off. I mean, he had been dead for three days. If he was going to do this, wouldn't he have done it much earlier? Why would he have waited for the situation to get to where it was before he came through. Does this sound like you and I when we go through situations and time spans that we pray and our prayers we put God on time constraints? When we order God around with our prayers and we say, God, you know, I need you to do this and, and, and I need you to do this right away. Uh, I don't want to wait. I, I don't want there to be an extended amount of time. I don't. I, I need you to do it, and I need you to do it now. Most of our prayers are with desperation, and we pray, God, do it now. Do it even now. And the scripture is full of those kind of prayers where people tried to say, do it now, and there were times when God acted now. But most of the time, God put it on his time clock, and it happens, but it didn't happen in their now, it happened in his now. The 
there's a drastic difference in the timing of God between the way we view time and the way God views time. We view it in, in the, the time clock. We, we, we view morning until evening, and, and uh, we view a 24-hour segment of the day. But God, he's not confined by time, and he's not con- confined by our calendars. But he does start with darkness, and he works until light. Isn't it just like the Lord to wait until things seem to be impossible before he steps in to to speak life? So therefore we doubt and we say, well, I know we can, but but my situation, my sickness, my child, my marriage, my home, my finances, if God was going to do this, would he not have already done it? Would, Would he not have done it a year ago or or two years or ten years ago, or would there not have been a sign given? But yet when a a prophetic word comes and is spoken and you cling to something, you feel that the Lord has spoken to you, and, and then when he doesn't do it in our time, unbelief sets in. Am I okay this morning? Unbelief sets in because it wasn't in our time. And so Mary and Martha are looking at Jesus saying, I, I mean, we know you can resurrect him, uh, but but now? I mean, he's been dead three days. If you would have been here, the accusation comes, and if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't even have died. We wouldn't have had to go through three days of grief and sorrow and pain. We wouldn't have had to have to get to the point that we are if you would have come through. But then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's just like the Lord to wait until situations get so far gone because sometimes I do believe it is a test of our faith. It is the trial of our faith to wonder, God, can you? God, will you? God, when will you? And we want that answer. I don't know about you. That's how I'm built. I'm a planner. I'm a scheduler. I, I often know I, I plan my, my life all out well in advance. My wife gets frustrated sometimes. Our 25th wedding anniversary, which was, well, a while ago, eight years ago, um, I thought, I'm going to do something for my wife, and it's going to be unique for for us in our marriage because I'm the planner. And so, therefore, if, if there is a trip, I'm the one that plans it. And I, I mean, I, I have a tendency to plan down to the details. Anybody like me? You plan down to the details. There's a few out here. I know, you know, this is where I'm going to stop. This is what I'm going to do. This is how long I'm going to stay. I mean, I have a lot of the details planned out. But my wife, she's a much more spontaneous and, and a lot more fun than I am. And so the boring me, you know, I'm, I'm over here wanting to plan, but I decided, nope, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get flights, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to secure a car. And when we arrive in Los Angeles, uh, we're going to just go get a car, and it wasn't just going to be any car, but we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And so I said, I got online, and I looked, and I saw this real sporty Camaro with a convertible top, and uh, I thought, yeah, this is what I want. I even put in for the color when they asked. And so I, I designed it all just to, for perfection. But I didn't choose hotels. I didn't choose, maybe I did the first night. I think maybe the first night so that we didn't arrive and not know where we were going to sleep when we got there off the plane. But I got a hotel for the first night and a car rental. And everything from there was wide open. And it was just going to be, hey, this is your trip wherever you want to stop. And and, uh, so we got there and we arrived. And when we arrived, we go to the, we we get get an Uber to drive us over to the car rental place. And we get there, and it's a little bitty tiny car rental place. There's no cars. And I'm looking around, and, and they are open late. And so I'm looking for a car, but there's no cars. I walk in, and they said, well, they're in a lot in the back. And they said, uh, so uh, we have for you a Volkswagen Beetle convertible. I mean... I said, that's not what I reserved. And they said, well, sir, that's all we have. And so I was a bit in trouble. 
and that was not the idea that, that, that we had. And so uh, we, we called for another Uber ride and to another, another car rental place we went, and they helped us and got us in a, in a, in a, a brand new, nobody had ever driven it. It had like 20 miles, I think, something. Oh, we had a great trip. We drove, and my wife would say, stop here, do this, do that. And it was completely unplanned. And, and I'm over here losing my mind because I'm the planner. And I'm the scheduler. And so, you know, she's having a great time, and I'm trying to smile and go, I hope we can get a hotel tonight. I, I hope the restaurant will let us in. And, and, and it, it actually worked out okay. But in my mind, it wasn't going to work out quite so well because I'm, I'm, I'm a planner. And, and I find myself sometimes in prayer, and I'm telling God exactly what my schedule is. God, this is what's going on, and this is when you need to take care of this. And if you don't do it but here, for sure, God, you've got to do it but over here. I mean, he understands, right? And so, I don't know, I think I've lost most of you. Only those planners out here going, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm right there. But we ordered God around. I know I've heard some of you pray, God, would you do this for me now? And that's what we want. But God works off of a different time. And sometimes it's just the trial of our faith. For 25 years, my wife said, you ought to try this. There's a lot of freedom in life that you could enjoy. And she was right. And it worked out. actually had a great time. I'm trying to say to you today that why would why would he wait? Why would he put our answer on hold seemingly maybe even on the back burner? Maybe there's things you've been praying for and asking God to do for a very long time and he hasn't come through for you. Why would he delay our promise before we see the fulfillment? I think that maybe God is wanting, is, is wanting us to get to the point to where we have no other choice. And at, that, at the point that we, we have exhausted all resources, then he steps through because then truly we activate our faith. Or maybe God just wants us to know that nothing is impossible with him. Child of God, I want to tell you this morning that there is nothing impossible with the Lord because there's nobody quite like Jesus. The Holy Scripture is replete with stories full of hope and promise over and again God shows us his power and he reveals his strength. Over and again, he proves to us that nothing is too hard for him. I believe that the whole point of Easter was very clear in the message that, that the angel gave to Mary and Mary. And the, the message, the first message that Jesus gave to them as they ran to tell the disciples, it was once again to prove that nothing was too hard for the Lord. There, there's nobody quite like him and nothing is impossible with him. If I could get some people in this room this morning to begin to believe with me that nothing is too hard for the Lord and that whatever you're dealing with, facing, walking through, whatever it may be that seems like, no, I gave up on that a long time ago. If I could get you to grab a hold of faith, fresh faith, and once again to begin to believe God, then I'm successful with what I'm preaching this morning because I want you to know it's not too far gone. Three days is not too far spent. I talked to a man that I've known most of my life this past week and he said to me, I should be dead. As a matter of fact, he said the doctors gave me up for dead three times. He shared a moment of his story with me and he said I had a heart attack when I was 55 and the doctors didn't give me any chance of living and he said 
That's happened two other times, and now I'm 83. And I said, man, you look good, and you look healthy. And he said, and I feel good, and I feel healthy. He said, God has been good to me. Is there anybody that knows that nothing is too hard for the Lord? Is there anybody who can testify that when all hope is gone, that God has the ability to turn things around and to turn them for your good? David said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? This is where we get sometimes where we're wondering, but can you just look around you and understand how great God is and all that he is doing? I mean, they, they, they try to scare us by telling us all of the, the, the things that are going to happen, that, that asteroids come by, and if, they, if it would have just been a little closer, it could have hit this past year and it would have destroyed planet earth and there's black holes larger than any black hole that, that's ever been and it's drawing at, at the galaxy and if it happens it would be the end and, 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 and all of this hype that's going on but the truth is is I believe there is a God in heaven that all he's got to do is just with a breath, just a little breath he can just control what is happening, the moon, the stars, the galaxies the atmosphere, the air we breathe and we're over here worrying about it and trying to and God's over here saying look I've got all of this in control I make everything work they, I, I read an article the other day that if the bee dies that everything on planet earth is going to die and I kind of chuckled when I read it and said well if it's true God's never going to let the bee die until he's ready to call us all home because God is in charge of everything and if God is in charge of all of that what are we David said when I behold the moon and the stars of heaven what is man that you're mindful of him mindful listen God is more mindful than we are see we are forgettable but God's not forgettable he's not forgetful God doesn't forget God remembers and he holds he holds there's nobody quite like God. First Chronicles chapter 17 declares there's there's none like like God. Psalm 86 says there's none like thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Isaiah 46 says, For I am God and there is none else. I'm God and there's none like me. There is no God with power like our God. And there is nothing that he can't do. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. I'm trying to increase your faith today. I'm, 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 I'm starting this message uh, reaching for us intellectually for a moment and causing us to think about how massive this world is and how small we are. And so our problems that are huge for us are nothing for the Lord. See, that, that issue in your body, he can make a body. See, he can form a body. And if he can form a body, he can reform a body. Your healing is not too far gone for God to be able to bring restoration. See, maybe you're dealing with something in your life. Your deliverance is not too hard for the Lord. You're not asking God for too much, nor are you asking God for too little because there is nothing that he can't do. Easter proves that the re there is resurrection power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and there is hope for you in your situation. When God comes on the scene, he turns sadness into joy. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns tragedy into triumph. See, your problems are not too great for God. Your, your, problems, your, your problems do not know what kind of God they're up against. This is what we've got to get to understand today. See, sometimes we magnify the problem instead of magnifying our God. What would happen if 300 or so people that's in this room this morning would say, you know what, I'm going to stop magnifying the problem and I'm going to start magnifying God. That sickness doesn't know the kind of God it's up against. 
That situation that's bothering you, that addiction doesn't know the kind of God that we serve. See, there is nothing impossible with Him. And when it seems and feels impossible, He can still deliver. See, it all comes through faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. Everybody say without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Everything that you receive from God comes through faith. And everything that God has for you is not in your past, it is in your future. And I want you to get this, because we're thankful for what God's done in our past, but there is nothing that's going to, you can't reach back to the past and that give you what you need for your future. Everything God has for your future is ahead of you and it comes by faith. So therefore, your faith is so very important. That's why that most of the battles that you deal with, the enemy comes to attack your faith. Because if he can attack your faith, he can get you at the very foundation, at the very beginning. See, there, there, are, three, there are three dimensions of belief. You've got to get, you, you got to understand this. A lot of people talk about, well, I believe in God or I believe on the Lord. That's wonderful. That's tremendous. But there's three dimensions of belief. That first dimension of belief is, is, is the dimension of hope. It's where you begin to hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope comes before. For faith actually comes into existence. So the first thing that happens is you have to have hope. So people say, well, I hope someday that things work out. I hope. I hope. That's the first dimension is hope. The second dimension is belief. And a lot of people stop there and say, well, I believed one day and that's enough. That's all I need to do. But that's only the second dimension. Belief is only the second dimension. That is where you can begin to believe. See, that belief is is, is faith. That, that element is faith. It's where you put your faith in God. It's where you, 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 you put your faith in Him. So therefore, it begins with hope, but then hope brings about faith. And so when, when you get a hold of faith, and you can say, well, now things begin to change. Vocabulary begins to change when you begin to talk about faith. Your vocabulary changes because you can begin to speak of things that are not as though they already are. And you say, I speak this by by faith. And so therefore, hope says, I, I wish it could come to pass. But faith begins to speak it, even at times, things that are not as though they already are. The Bible is full of words of faith. We call it at times prophetic anticipation, and that is speaking things that are not as though they already have come to pass. And so therefore, at the point of faith, we begin to talk about the things that we cannot see, but through faith we talk about them as though they are going to happen. This is an incredible dynamic. That's why faith is so very important. You cannot, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Say that with me. Without, it is, that's what you got to understand. Without, it is Without faith, it is impossible. And so your vocabulary changes when you move from hope and you move to faith. But there is a dynamic beyond beyond faith, and that is when you reach the point of trust. Because when you reach the point of trust, that's when you take things that you are holding in your own hand and you're saying, look, I am going to put this into your hand and I'm going to trust you with it. I, I this, this is mine and I believe, but now I'm going to trust. Trust. I put it into your hands to trust you with it. I am now, I am now, it now is out of my hands, but it's into your hands. And the only way that I can understand that, that it's everything's good is when you reveal it back to me and put it back into my hands. You see, faith says, I know in the end, I know in the end that Lazarus could be resurrected. I know my situation in the end is going to work for my good. But trust says I'm going to put it into your hands. And therefore, 
when he shows up to say, now roll away the stone, there is no doubt because trust says it is as well as done. When Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I raise it up, he wasn't talking about a physical temple, a, a, a building. He was talking about the earthly temple of the body that was going to go in the, in the grave for three days. But he said, destroy it in three days, it's going to raise up. Uh -huh, let me talk to you about trust. See, when you move beyond the element of faith of saying, I believe in God, I believe on God, I, try, I, I believe that he can, I believe he will, I put my salvation in him, that's all well and good. But when you move to the point of trust, uh, it's when you say, I'm all in, I'm yours, God, I'm putting it all into your hands, my life is in your hands, and whatever you say, I will say yes because I trust you. Trust him. See, that's what God's trying to get us to do is trust him. That's why he tells Mary, and Mary, go and tell them that I am resurrected. But then he meets them on the path and says, hey, hey, hold up. Go and tell them to go to Galilee because there they will see. Because he knew that some of us were going to struggle with believing without seeing. That's the dynamic of faith. And this is the point of Easter. That Jesus is trying to get word to somebody today to say, you have got to learn to believe in what you cannot see. There is nothing that is too hard. If he can go in a, in, in a grave, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwell in you, will also quicken your mortal bodies. Oh, I wish I had a preaching church on this Easter Sunday morning. I wish somebody would get a hold of this today because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that is going to raise you and me on that resurrection morning. It's the same thing that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise, the, is going to cause the grave to come open and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I come to tell you this morning nothing is too hard for the Lord. The enemy wants you to think uh, that all you need to do uh, is just keep traveling down the road you're on. But I come today to say you need to trust him. You need to trust him. There is more for you. Oh would somebody give God praise in the house today. I've got to hurry today. The Canaanite woman came to Jesus and said, my daughter is vexed. And Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. I want to point out something to you. Great faith is the ability to take God at his word. It's to believe what God says. That's what great faith is. We fail when we put limits on God. God specializes in taking things that appear to be impossible and making them tangible because until you see, you cannot believe. That's why he tells them, go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee. I'll meet them there. There they will see me. Why didn't Jesus go to where they are? Why did he make them go to Galilee to see him? Why didn't he just go? He was in a glorified body. He could have been there in a moment. But instead of him, he said, no, because in every point in Scripture, there has always been a task involved with humanity. I will reveal myself to you if you will. I've been on this for a while. I've been talking about this for weeks now. But the Lord, the Lord spoke so clearly to me a few months ago and said, tell the church if they will, I will. 
And that's the principle all through Scripture. He will reveal himself to you, but you are going, You there's something you're going to have to do. You are going to have to go to Galilee, and there you will see. See, some of us say, well, I'd like to see some of these things, and if I could, I would believe. Let me tell you, if you will just take the trip with me, you will believe because you will see. But the Lord is not going to come say, well, here, I'm going to, he's not a magic trick to try to persuade you. He says, I put faith in you. And if you'll have the faith to trust and act on it, I will reveal myself to you. The miracle of the resurrection tells us that nothing is impossible for the Lord to do. That's the whole point. Your, your situation's not too hard for him. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. He has a history of doing the impossible. He closed the mouths of the lions for Daniel. He parted the Red Sea for Moses. With every one of those, there's a sea involved, right? I mean like a sea with your eyes. There's a vision because he knew. He could tell them that he would do it. See, he told them before he ever got there that he was going to provide for them. But until they saw the manna and the quail, they didn't really believe him. They complained. They, they murmured and thought they were going to die before they saw the Red Sea open. He caused the sun to stand still for Joshua. He opened the prison for Peter. He put a baby in the arms of Sarah. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and then he rose from the dead on the third day. Surely he can take care of us. Oh, I wish somebody just get that in their spirit this morning, that God can take care of me. God's got me. God's got my back. The things which are impossible with man are possible with the Lord. Why don't you just say this with me? It's not too hard for God. Come on, I, I wish everybody would say that. It's not too hard for God. Come on, I want you to see that situation that you're struggling with, that thing in your mind that you really struggle with and say, oh, if God would just, I want you to say it out loud with that thought in mind. It's not too hard for the Lord. It's not too hard for the Lord. I wish somebody would rebuke fear today. I wish somebody would rebuke doubt today that is trying to destroy them and just declare it's not too hard for the Lord. It's not the enemy we'd like for us to believe that we're stuck in our situation, but there is nothing more powerful than the delivering power of the Lord. You don't have to bargain and compromise for your deliverance. If somebody's battling with habitual sins, if somebody's struggling in an addiction, I feel like saying this to you today, your addiction is not too hard for the Lord. See, it seems insurmountable for you, but if you'll take the first step, if you will, he will. Satan's not in control of your deliverance. He's only in control of the bondage. God is in control of your deliverance, and if you'll take the first step, God will take the next, and Satan will have to sit on the sideline and suck his thumb because he is a loser and destined to hell forever. He's not in charge. God is in charge. Satan can only hold you captive until you take the first step toward God. And when you take the first step toward God, God will then make the next step toward you. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. This principle is all through Scripture. He tells Moses, you go and lead them out. I will deliver them out. Moses wasn't the wasn't the deliverer. Moses was the leader. He was never supposed to be the deliverer. I'm not a deliverer, but I am a leader. And this leader is standing before you this morning telling you, if you will just listen and allow me to lead you this morning, I know a deliverer that will set you free. If you will just be led, if you will take the first step, if you will just make up your mind, I'm not staying where I am, God is able to deliver. Moses tried with all kind of excuses, and the Lord just told him, certainly, Moses, I'm going to be, I will be with you. 
I believe God has ordained every person in this room to be free from fear, free from worry, free from doubt, free from depression, free from addiction. You're not supposed to live like that. David declares the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Why did he go through it? Because he went on and said he is my God, he is my strength, whom I will trust. He describes him as a buckler, as the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Why in the world did he use so many expressive ways of describing an all-powerful God that knows no impossibilities because he knew that he needed to persuade somebody that your situation falls under one of those and he can deliver you. I hasten to a close this morning. Let me just say, if you're not walking with the Lord today, there will never be a better time in your life than the present. The life of surrender and salvation is is possible only by the help of the Lord. Your life's not going to get better without total surrender to God. That is the prerequisite. Your first step is a step of surrender to God. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing too hard for Him. You, you haven't gone too far with He's able. The writer of Hebrews declared, he is able to save to the uttermost. I want you to know today that there is a pathway to a renewed life that is found only through Jesus Christ. Jesus truly is your way out. If you've walked away from God, he still loves you just as much. And he loves you just like you are. See, God doesn't start loving you more because you change your actions. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you anymore, and there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less. Saint or sinner, God loves us with unconditional love. Only God is able to set you free. Only God is able to save you. Only God is able to give you a hope and give you a future. Only God is able to bring light in the middle of your darkness. The enemy would like for us to believe that we are too far gone and that there's no hope for us, that we could never recover from our past. That's what he would like for us to believe. But I rise to this pulpit today to tell you there is hope. He still loves you. There is a way out, and nothing is too hard for him. Stand with me all over the room today. Maybe somebody feels that their sin is too great. He even left us a scripture for that that says, where sin abounds, grace did much more. When Paul is struggling, he's struggling with his flesh. He's he's struggling with himself. That's where the struggle was. The Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul, and he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he goes further, and he said, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. In your weakness is where God's strength comes through. Easter is a story of recovery. That's what it is. It's more than a one-day resolution. It's more than just a one-time event. It's more than just a one-year occurrence. As a matter of fact, it's just a reminder that when Jesus Christ got up on the third day, and we celebrate Easter today because he lives, he rose, and he lives. If he had not risen from the grave and if he did not live the message I'm preaching this morning would mean nothing but the fact that he resurrected and the fact that he departed on the Mount of Transfiguration and he said I go to prepare a place for you and if I go there I will receive you unto myself what I'm saying to you this morning is, is regardless where you are and what you face and what you're dealing with 
there's hope for you. There's help for you. It's not impossible. But God also has a place prepared for you that's much better than any place that your mind could possibly ever conceive. It is the place of heaven. It is the place that he's prepared for you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. I'm going to open these altars in just a moment and invite all of you who are in this room to participate in this Easter story of recovery, but it could be personal for you. Maybe you are in a situation, maybe I've spoken to you today, and you know there's some things you need to overcome. My question for you is, what could your future look like? What would you like the story of your life to look like? How would you like that story to end? There's no reason to wait. As a matter of fact, waiting's a bad idea. But if you respond today with the first step, he will meet you with the second step. I open these altars today. If I've spoken to you, if you feel to pray, if you would like to step to the front of this room today and just come and say, I'm not, I'm going to do more than just come to church on Easter. But this is a great place for a brand new start, a new start for me, for my family. A brand new life. He's given you hope today. There's room for everybody. Join us here at the front for a few moments. This could be a miracle Sunday for you. This could be miracle Sunday. This could be resurrection Sunday. Could we turn this house into a prayer room? Everybody's seeking the Lord from the front to the back today.